Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, if you've been under a rock, you may have missed the fact that the ACCC come out with a 600-plus page report on Friday, giving some grief to the digital platforms, uh, Google, Facebook and beyond. Today, we're going to talk to some big names in the industry about three key themes that come out of the ACCC report. The first one is data. There's some profound changes, potentially profound changes going to happen to the Privacy Act and the definition of personal information, which will impact things like location tracking, online tracking for advertising, and disclosure to third parties of individual user data. There's some really big things haven't been discussed yet uh, in the three days since the report. We're going to cover that. We're also going to look into the inquiry, the proposed inquiry, that the ACCC wants into ad tech services and uh, ad and media agencies. Really, really interesting there. Some all sorts of opaqueness that the ACCC wants to rip out. And the final one is we're going to talk about content algorithms and the ability for media companies to extract decent revenues from the digital platforms with their content. So with us today to talk about these deep and meaty issues is Grant Blackley, CEO of Southern Cross Stereo. GK Schubert, Head of Policy and Government Affairs at News Corp. GK returns with Claire Gill, Head of Regulatory Affairs at Nine. Henry Innes, Managing Partner at Mutiny in Melbourne. And of course, our regular John Bradshaw from Brand Traction. Grant Blackley, to you first. What's your initial sense and impressions from this report? Thank you, Paul. The, I think my initial impression at this point is that we've just dropped a pebble into the pond and there's some ripples uh, going through at this point in time. Um, I must admit I was quite buoyed by what I read in the, uh, the summary statements, uh, but the more data I read into it, I became more cautiously optimistic before becoming even a little bit cautious towards the end. What I was probably expecting as I went through that and unwrapped that entire report was that there would be some very definitive actions that were going to be taken to actually recognise that there needs to be change and there needs to be urgent uh, change at this point. What we did see was that uh, there's a recognition that the dominance of Google and Facebook is in fact very dominant and in fact they own markets. They don't participate in, they physically own them. And that then goes into market power and the distortion of what we're seeing in this segment of the business. And it's absolutely critical to the economic viability of the entire sector that we unwrap this and actually do something about it. What I'm not seeing at this point in time necessarily is a set of actions and a timeline that effectively is going to employ a solution for the industry. GK, how much of what Grant just said do you agree with? Give us your take on this. I think picking up from Grant's pebble into the pond analogy is quite a good one. Um, we are quite um, heartened by the language, you know, 619 pages of that report, and it is pretty much right between the eyes kind of stuff. You know, it's the first in the world where we've seen that kind of language and absolutely goes to the nub of the issues, if not saying actually there's a lot of opacity in the ad tech um, space and they need another inquiry on that, which we're um, very supportive of. But I think in that language, I think, as Grant says, it's what comes of that. Are the remedies that are being proposed um, adequate to deal with the, I think the Treasurer called them the immense power of the platforms? Um, and that's where I'm wondering where the risks and incentives are. Because if you're getting Facebook with a $5 billion US fine last week, which I think it's been described as a speeding fine, and some, I think one of the CEOs here called it a rounding error, um, 
then, then what could we possibly do in relation to making the risks efficient to ensure that the platforms actually deal with the problems that they are the masters of? Claire, you, at least on recommendation seven out of the 23 that the ACCC uh, has put out in its report, you're happy with that bit. You've been lobbying for basically stronger negotiation rights between content producers and, and the platforms, but you're happy about that bit at least and your views on what GK and Grant have just talked about. Yep. So we are happy with uh, recommendation seven, but just to unpack that, the report is based on the recommendation that they have sub- substantial market power, but what the difference between this report and the preliminary report is is the recognition of the imbalance in bargaining power between media businesses and the platforms. And that's really key because that sets the foundation for the recommendations in relation to a regulatory framework to be able to negotiate fairly with the platforms. So we're very pleased. Of course, the devil is in the detail and we want to make sure that um, media businesses are defined as broader than just the news media. It's that premium Australian content that um, contributes to our social and national identity. So, but on balance, we're very pleased. Clearly there are a lot of uh, details to come out of it and a lot of inquiries and a, a lot more, but we understand that The government's taking three months to hear back from everyone and, of course, there'll be a lot of lobbying from every side, Um, but we're very pleased that a timeframe was put on the Code of Conduct. Some of those things you talk about is essentially going to force the platforms to uh, either revenue share or do something that compensates uh, news producers and content producers if if that content, if they're benefiting uh, on their platform from that content. That's one of the things the the ACCC is talking about that you're happy with, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, Terms to actually share the revenue, but also how that revenue is actually uh, the CPMs are set and the terms on which we actually access those platforms. They're really key to making sure that these platforms that use our content are able to share that um, the benefits. Okay, and so just for the for the listener, explain what happens next, Claire. So we understand that they've got uh, 12 weeks to take feedback from media companies as well as the platforms and interested parties. And then by the end of the year, the government will actually lay out their roadmap for the actual actions that um, Grant was talking about he'd like to see. So we can expect in the next three months a furious lobbying effort from all sides, including the platforms. It'll be interesting to see who they or what they do in trying to push back on some of these recommendations. Henry Innes, we've heard the media owner's perspective. What's your take in what is coming down this pipe for marketers, agencies and media owners? Well, it's pretty obvious um, that they've made a good kind of crack at trying to understand the media supply chain, the ad tech supply chain and and the way data exists. I mean, the comment made to me a while ago by someone kind of um, very linked in the political world was that they didn't understand how Quantium could have 100,000 uh, you could have 18 million data points, but he didn't reckon that 100,000 Australians would have heard about who Quantium was. And I think that probably sums up the issue that there's a lot of data broken going on behind the scenes. Not a lot of it's very consumer friendly and facing. And that's starting to really, uh, I guess, bite in terms of, you know, trust in platforms and things like that and, and whether or not people can be confident how their, how their data and privacy is shared. On the media supply chain, I think, you know, that's been broken for a while. Clients really aren't sure what they're buying anymore and whether or not the decision is being made for their best interests or for someone else's best interests. And that 
and that kind of extends across the whole ad tech and media supply chain and, and it's a problem which is ongoing. Let's get to the data conversation. The ACCC says in its report that it's not proposing a wholesale adoption of GDPR. There'll be a few people quite relieved probably about that, but it does flag a whole bunch of concerns, three of them which are particularly interesting to the media sector, technology companies and indeed agencies and marketers is this notion that they want to overhaul the Privacy Act, redefine it so that personal information now includes IP addresses and, and device IDs, that suddenly changes the game, particularly if they, like the ACCC is proposing, that the Privacy Act has a default consent off. At the moment, it's consent on, so you have to get people to go, no, I don't want that. And and, and if, if it goes the other way, there's significant uh, issues there, Henry. One person said to me, it could cut out 40% of the entire media audience and digital platforms or higher. It could go much higher. And I, and I think, you know, updating that personal information definition, the way, business, the way businesses structure and capture data um, currently is to do that by default. So it will require overhauls in the way that you approach data from a compliance perspective. It will require you changing how certain systems work. It will certainly impact the entire MarTech industry quite significantly. And, you know, there are a lot of businesses which have – invested a hell of a lot of money in collecting this data behind the scenes on individuals for shopper analytics and things like that, which are just going to get absolutely get hit by this kind of legislation, this kind of update to legislation if it happens. So there's all sorts of challenges around consent and, and kind of around what defines personal information as well, because a lot of people have been kind of anonymizing and deduping this stuff to, to then allow you to start to form insights and analytics packages. It looks like this kind of shift to the Privacy Act will directly impact those sorts of analytics and insights, which have been very, very common and popular amongst marketers in Australia. Right, and, and some of the three key areas that the ACCC talks about that they have concerns, particular concerns as its wording, was is location tracking, online tracking for advertising purposes, and the disclosure of user data to third parties. Grant Blackley, this is where the entire media industry is, is, is essentially trying to head to compete with um, the digital platform. So is there a crimping, is there a wholesale crimping going on here? What, what do you see, it, it, your initial sense on this? Yeah, I think two things. Firstly, the digital giants, as we should call them, um, you know, what's being created here is a two-class society because the digital giants are ready to actually um, work with these recommendations. They'll fight them to a degree, but fundamentally they, they have a huge tech stack and a capacity to actually uh, work with industry, work with government to actually change this. The rest of us have done an enormous amount of work. Um, it comes back to what can we afford on the bottom line. It's going to be a regulatory outcome or legislative outcome, I imagine, through the Privacy Act. So we're going to have to catch up very quickly and we probably should try and do that as, a, as an industry. Funny enough, we've been here before though. When an algorithmic change in Facebook throws out a 50% reduction in the audience that we receive without any advice. Funny enough, we had to throw everything out and go back to a first-party data um, generation. So we've done that about two years ago and we're slowly building up. Hopefully we're doing that in a compliant manner with the future as to what is being created or uh, put forward here under the privacy law. But if we get to a point where the industry um, on as a whole operates as one with a very uh, firm foundation that we can then grow and nurture together... I think that's a good thing rather than everyone being at a different place in the industry, different levels of maturity with different data, which is not only confusing, expensive, but actually I think plays into the hands of the digital giants. So if we're on the one playing field, I don't think that's a bad thing. 
GK, your, your thoughts on that? I come from the boring policy side of things, so um, listening to Grant is great. But again, it's one of those things where I think the digital platforms are best placed to deal with these things. They have troves of data and it makes anyone else's data just blows it out of the water, as we all know. And so I do look at this from a policy perspective and wonder what it is the government is trying going to have to try and achieve here and actually where the burden of actually meeting the new requirements sits. So I agree. I think a level playing field is the best outcome. But I think what we're seeing, and I don't say this in a privacy realm, but in other realms, is where governments try to apply laws to digital platforms and more recently in social media and actually it's the traditional players that get harmed on the way through and actually wear the burden, a a double burden almost of compliance and I think that's the buyer beware scenario. So I think this is all very interesting but what you don't want is actually to be crimping the businesses that have been identified as being harmed through the activities of the platforms through this 619-page report. Claire, I just want to ask with that consent off default, that is significant in your view? On principle, yes, it will have a big effect, but really you have to dig down and say what actually will be the effect. I think that informed consent is a really important consumer outcome. Um, Consumers need to know what's happening with their data. GK, this was a concern for you that you were concerned about too much focus on privacy and less on the competition issues. That does seem like your dream has come true. (sighs) Oh, goodness. I think... The ACCC has been very clear throughout this process that um, the consumer element is a really important part and part of their remit, and I do not deny that at all. So I think from, you know, having click wrap agreements, so, you know, you either agree to this or you don't get access to the service, those sorts of things absolutely need to be broken down. So I think some of the what the Commission is re- um, recommending there goes to that. I think there's the consumer point on one, on one hand and there's the competition elements on the other, which was very much where News Corp was and continues to be focused. But I think on the competition thing, on the competition element is we look at the privacy pieces and say, well, that's interesting and that's great, you know, um, good for consumers, uh, good outcomes there, level playing field if we can get to it on data is useful. But what it doesn't do is that actually doesn't provide the space for a com- natural competitor to Google or Facebook to emerge. So you've still got a single social platform and you've got one single search platform that every Australian uses and all those statistics that both Josh Frydenberg and the Minister Fletcher and Rod Sims rattled off um, on Friday is they are gargantuan and they are dominant. And But it is these sorts of things that actually need to be got to the nub of, which is why the remedies and what the government does actually do and how they're executed are really important. I'll come back to that, but Henry, I just want to get your sense on this crimping of data flows for marketers, agencies and the media sector. It seems to me like there is some very, very significant change coming for the whole industry. Well, it creates less of a consolidated view of data across the landscape. So it means that you can't hand over data without explicit consumer consent. It means it's very hard to merge all of these data sets and understand exactly what what the consumer is and isn't doing. Now, the benefits of that is people are going to trust what I trust kind of handing over their data a lot more. I think as well, it's going to just place a much bigger reliance on brands building up first-party data sets and first-party understandings of their consumers rather than renting it off third parties, which has been the kind of default position for marketers in, in Australia for a long time, you know, go and rent insights off someone else. Uh, what this is going to mean is that brands have to build this by default as an internal first-party data strategy rather than looking to kind of rent it off the third parties, which is, again, a big, big shift to how, how businesses and brands look at 
enterprise data and enterprise data strategies going forward. Grant Blackley, your audience, as you've got first-party data, does it suit your agenda? I think it does because I think it gives a level of credibility to the data in the marketplace, and with credibility comes trust. Um, and trust allows us to commercially operate in the marketplace with a bit more equality uh, from that perspective. So, you know, I endorse what Henry's putting forward, which is moving back to a first-party data. We've started that journey. Uh, as I say, uh, I hope we don't have to reinvent the wheel and go back again with what could be proposed and intended uh, by the regulators in the future. But if that's the case, um, I think that allows us all to compete, hopefully slightly more equally, even though we know that we don't have the same data set as, uh, as Google or Facebook. Grant, what do you make of one of the other key proposals in the report, which is that the proposed inquiry into ad tech services and advertising and media agencies on how the, the money flows and some of the opaque practices that may or may not be, uh, well, the ACCC says that they do exist. There's some interesting uh, scenarios, including the flows that go on between the holding companies and the agency brands. So you've had a stance for some time on some of these issues. What do you make of that? I've had an opinion as opposed to being a critic, Paul, but yes. I think what the ACCC's done here is they've said um, they do know that it is opaque. They do know that it's very hard to someone sometimes trace that money. Very difficult to work out who's getting what commission and what part of that chain of events. And I think, I think it's incumbent upon the ACCC, but also the client and marketing community uh, to demand answers to that. Um, you know, if you're selling a house, you want to know exactly how much you're paying, who's it going to, in what order. And if that means I have to do a little bit more work to understand the contract a little bit better, so be it. Um, what we do see here is a fairly murky trail of where the money goes. Um, is their preference going to certain parties? Is their preference going to their own tools versus other tools? I think the answer will be yes and no all the way through this conversation. So if we can um, provide some clarity um, to that and if this uh, set of actions actually unlocks some of that so that there's greater visibility, I think we ultimately come back to people being more willing to invest in our platforms and in our markets because there's a level of trust and transparency, and I think that's good for the industry. Henry, I think you might just have a few subtle views on this one. What's your thoughts? Well, look, bluntly... There we go. That's what I said. Didn't I say subtle? I think I did. <laughs> yeah, you did say subtle, yeah. The, the, the whole issue on this comes back to are, are agencies acting in the best interest of the client or are they acting in the best interest of a rebate or some kind of, you know, I don't like using the word kickback, but some kind of kickback along the line. And I think there's a growing suspicion in the marketing industry that perhaps media agencies have shifted away from a model where they're making decisions in the best interest of the client and they're making decisions based on deals that have been made in other places. And that's a real, re really big problem. If you look at the P&Ls of uh, major kind of holding groups and holding companies. I think this is what the ACCC was touching on. Paul, I think I sent you a list of about 21 different ways that they're extracting money and value across that ecosystem. And I would say out of those 21 ways, only three of them would be disclosed to client. Now, that, that, that seems absurd to me. That seemed absolutely absurd. There seems to have been a precedent here. It's called a banking royal commission into the way in which money flows around between business and consumer. That's exactly right. And, you know, an agent implies that you're acting on behalf of someone, that you're representing their interests. That's where the word comes from originally. So the challenge is, is that because they're making these decisions based on other factors, it's really started to break down trust. And, I mean, you know, ad tech platforms do this as well. The whole chain is very, very murky. I saw some great numbers the other 
other day that estimated only 40 to 50% of money in this ad tech supply chain was going back to what you call working media. As low as 20, actually, Henry. Yeah, I mean, that can't stack up, right? You know, that's not a sustainable industry. That's not... That's not a, a transparent industry, and that's not an industry that's acting in the best interests of clients. It just it just doesn't work. Grant Blackley? Yeah, I, I think there's one other issue here too. We can't have these guys marking their own homework. Um, we are in a very regulated, robust industry where we have um, independent validation of our audiences, um, whatever platform they operate on. Um, and I think that fundamentally the, you know, it has to be nilly, and I would have liked to have seen something from the ACCC that says, we want greater transparency. Matter of fact, it has to be an independent, um, uh, verified, um, on a similar similar basis to all other media, such that we can actually compete on a level playing field. We're not seeing that yet. There's a fair bit of let's mark our own homework. Um, and there was a report uh, this past week with Facebook and PwC. Dare I mention it? I think I'm becoming the cynic again, unfortunately. But you know that came to market was extracted within a week. Uh, because of the validity of that, the way that was putting forward. So it was the brief to get an outcome that was uh, conducive to what the outcome Facebook wanted, or was it to provide an independent validation of audience? Um, I think we know the answer, and unfortunately we can't have these guys marking their own homework in the meantime, us under a regime that is highly scrutinised by the market, which we play in for many years, that validates our audience down to exactly who sees it for what time, for how many seconds with the sound up? Grant, the broader context of do you think that we will see some changes to how the, the, the holding companies and the agencies operate in this area of uh, where the money goes? Or do you, what's your sense there? Or what's your hope there? And what could happen? Well, I think everyone should be very cognizant of the powers that the ACCC have, um, both civil um, and also criminal. And I think when that comes into the light of, um, everyone watching, I think people will take it more seriously. And I do hope that in actual fact, you know, we will end up with a much better view, much more clarity. And I think the sheer threat or inference that this is being judged by a, a very strong authorising independent body of the government, um, and that could involve ACMA as well, um, I would think people will try to do the right thing more often uh, then keep it uh, into this sort of murky area. Okay, to wrap up, we're going to come back to a bunch of these issues in, in subsequent weeks, but Mark Ritson in The Australian today has already poured cold water on anything that the ACCC has said by saying, I quote, don't hold your breath waiting for anything of importance from the ACCC report to occur, it won't. Now, uh, we know Mark Ritson's a great pot stirrer. Uh, he was downbeat, actually, on whether the ACCC would, would say anything of significance. It has, so he was wrong on that front. I hope he's wrong on the next bit because we do need some change. So, Claire Gill, to you first, to wrap up, what's your sense of what's going to happen? Um, I think we also have to recognise their comments on a broader media review and that's the first time that we've seen the government really respond and actually recognise that they need to actually have a platform-neutral approach to things. I mean, if you look at classification of advertising, um, you know, we can't throw up a horror movie during a kids' program and in programmatic advertising, that's happening. So we need to make sure that the um, that the we look at the whole industry and that we have a platform neutral approach to making sure that we balance the um, level the playing field, and that's really important. So there are a lot of things that have actually come out of this. I think that um, you know if we get a few of the material things through very quickly, such as 
um, as I said, recommendation seven, but also the fact of the ombudsman and that people can actually have somewhere to actually redress their concerns with the digital platforms. These are all good things. So I think that I'm a little bit more optimistic than Mark, and I do think some good things will come out of this, but we just need the government focus to continue to have it as a priority. GK, it wasn't the Australian, by the way, so it must be true. I know I was going to give a plug to a whole lot of our other journalists, like Adam Crichton's piece that was also in the media section Which was today, good, by which the way. fantastic. Yes. Thanks, Adam. I think change has to happen. You know, when the ACCC began this process, uh, it was more of an outlier. I guess it's mainstream. This is a conversation that's going on around the world. The Department of Justice has now tuned in very, very, very astutely. Um, the Federal Trade Commission, you know, you've got members of Congress now that are much sharper tooled than they ever were on these issues You've got some ex-attorney generals in the US sitting in Congress now who are absolutely gunning for these platforms. So I think the Australian government can't turn around and say, well, look, no, thanks, on the back of such a hard-hitting report. So I think change will happen. Um, It just, it needs to actually meet the problems that are identified. Um, I think it'd be an interesting first, this is the first chapter of the next book, really. It's a big book already, so thanks for that, GK. Grant, your sense? Yeah, I think I do hope Mark's not right, um, and I do hope that that, uh, that pebble becomes a wave. And I think to agree with the comments just put forward, I think there is positive inertia here. The government has to ride that wave because they have a unique ability at the point of their political life at this point to actually make some meaningful change. And I think... It, it is also beyond the politics because it is happening across all business on a global scale, as we just talked about. And I think if we can all remain resilient um, and focused on the outcome, and that's every single stakeholder, hopefully we'll turn that pebble into a wave. Before I get to Henry, there was some, I mean, I, was, I tuned into the press conference on Friday with, with Rod Sims, who actually personally mentioned the state of regional content and the economic forces that are working against it and basically saying the ACCC and the government needs to do something about it. That'll be music to your ears, but the broader content funding and economics? I'm not sure if it's music to our ears just yet. Again, we need to unpack that and understand what that is. If the if the terms of reference come out that it's fundamentally for people who have uh, an income less than X um, who can apply for it, you're going to end up giving away money to a cottage industry that don't have the resource or the capacity to make a meaningful difference. So let's wait and see what that means. Um, you know, we're a huge employer of, uh, of journalists across all of Australia in 65 different offices. Uh, when we formed uh, our partnership for our affiliation with Channel 9, we employed together 105 journalists, put them into 15 locations, um, and we obviously have radio people on top of that. If the government provides an incentive for us to provide more localism more often at a deeper level that we can then uh, contribute back to society and secondly monetize to allow us that investment framework to move forward. I think that's wonderful. So let's hope that is the terms of reference for the future. We're, we're certainly going to find out. Henry, your parting thoughts? Uh, look, I think there's certainly a strong appetite from the government to do something on this. It's clear they've invested a lot of time understanding the issues properly, which is which is a welcome change. And so I think... Um, you know, it's quite it's quite clear to me that there's a lot of appetite to to do something. I think certainly Josh Frydenberg came out on Friday, and he looked like he wanted to be a leader on this issue. Anyway, this is a great opportunity for someone like Frydenberg to really try to lead on this issue, which, as you say, is a global issue, um, and that's the type of thing which which you no know, politicians generally like doing. So it feels like this is a, a win-win for the government to pursue. It's nice and public and high profile. It probably gets bipartisan support. Um, and it's something that 
that, that they can really campaign on. So I think we'll definitely see a lot of action towards the end of the year and, and next year. And marketers should be should be aware, uh, Henry. Well, marketers should really be, be starting to focus, I think, on what the legislation will do now so that they're not caught out in a year's time. If I was a marketer, I'd be... I would be sitting there looking at how data is structured, looking at that Privacy Act, and then really starting to understand what changes should I be making now in this context rather than trying to rush it all towards at the end of next year because some of that stuff just feels intuitively like it will come down the pipe pretty quickly. Claire, your sense on what are you getting so far from the government? Oh, we're getting very positive signs that this is a priority and uh, we just don't want them to back off um, once this all dies down. We need to keep the enthusiasm and the energy up on this because it is global leading, but it also has real impacts for media in Australia and that's what it ultimately comes down to. GK, are you bracing for a lobbying war in the next three months? Yes. <laughs> I think it will be, um, it, there'll be a lot of energy that goes into ensuring that politicians get, hold their metal on this and drive the recommendations for the report and possibly even beyond that. So I think that's right. Well, there's our initial wrap. John Bradshaw, a lot there. What are your key points out of this conversation? Yeah, well, let's try and touch on four things. First of which I think for marketers is first-party data. If you own and use first-party data, it's clear that you are going to get caught up in this thing as well and you need to get ahead of how you are managing the privacy of your consumer's data um, and start the projects now to put in more safeguards, more opt-outs, more ability for your consumers to have control over their data. I mostly think that's a good thing. It's going to force the data-driven marketers of these types of organisations to be more consumer and shopper-centric. Well, a real signal there too, John, a real signal there is the ACCC said on Friday, Rod Sim said on Friday to journalists that uh, there's four, uh, five inquiries currently underway as a result of the digital platforms inquiry. Four of those five relate to data breaches. So, you know, the, uh, the competition issues and everything else is secondary to the fact that they are drilling in. And it's going to cost them in tech development. It's going to take time to do. These things are always complicated. There are capital budgets to sign off. Not easy work for a client. Get beginning. Second thing to chat about is third-party data. We've kind of been here before. We've talked about this before. We're going to see this shift from... Consumers having an implicit relationship with things like platforms about how their data to is being used into having a more explicit relationship in terms of whether they actively opt in to having their data leveraged. That means there's going to be less. Well, everything we know about the way humans behave says if you force me to make a choice, I'm going to choose off as the default. Therefore, marketers are going to have to get used to operating in a world with less third-party data. I'm less worried about this. I'm less worried about this because I think at the moment we have a tendency to use targeting and personalization in a very blanket way like it's some kind of panacea for marketing effectiveness. What we do know is that targeting and personalization can increase the effectiveness of advertising, but only in certain types of situation and only in certain types of occasion. And the more client organizations start to really understand where targeting is really giving them extra return on their investment and where it's just layers of complexity that they don't actually need and they may as well just be buying 
more generically targeted advertising rather than this hyper-personalization. That's better for our industry, and it's going to be necessary if there's less third-party data. And just on that, um, if anyone has uh, scoffs at John about his personalization arguments, um, he does cite some very solid research from MIT and Harvard, which I have read. Third thing was about agency fees and rebates, kind of same rules as we've talked about before. As a client, get much clearer on your ask from your media agency. Are they the people who are going to drive you significant and massive savings in your media spend, or are they the people who are your partner in advertising effectiveness? Asking them to do both with equal priority is the pathway to madness. And the final thing, we didn't really talk about it this morning, but there is stuff about kind of ad tech and the tech stack in the report. A lot. Um, uh, An inquiry, and no, no, no less. Indeed. Um, I think it says what we were saying, I think maybe it was last week, which is a caveat emptor on this stuff. It can be a hugely powerful tool, but I think what we're seeing is quite a lot of people buying the tech stack and then working out what on earth they're going to do with it afterwards rather than having a clear and robust kind of technology strategy for the organization and how that is going to impact advertising and communications effectiveness and then buying the right tool and the right bits of the tool for that job. So careful what you buy and do your homework first, I think. Thank you, John Bradshaw. Sage words. We'll see you next week. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button to get a free notification every time we release a new episode.